Beware the Ides of March. We did the Ides of March on the regular podcast already. Now beware them. I will. I'm I'm bewared. <laughs> I was I guess that's your way of saying that we're doing the March 1967 episode. Yes, I assume the Ides of March is the only thing that happened in March. Yeah, the band formed. Uh we'll see you guys in April. <laughs> I see what you did there. Well done. Well done. Thank you. That's thank you. that's not what happened at all. Of course March was a very not. different time. But what we can say is welcome in to our year in music, 1967. It is March, and so therefore we release March's episode of, of this year in review. That does make a lot of sense. And I got to tell you, I'm really excited for this one. I know I say that about every episode yeah, all the like time. You've been really excited for the I first know, two. I know, I know. But there's such such cool stuff going on in March, and since you don't know about any of it, like it's fun right. for me to get to see you because like you listen to all the albums on the regular show, so I'm not surprising you with anything really. That's true. I mean, uh, if you want, we could start where I don't listen to them. <laughs> it would make our <laughs> grades right, I mean, a lot more skewed. I was gonna say the the grades would be a little lopsided towards uh, my feelings, but hey. <laughs> or I could just always be the anti whatever you say. Yeah, I don't know. How about a five? Just every, I don't know. Yeah, I, Nick, I, you want a seven, then I want a three. I refuse. <laughs> oh, man. I guess if I wanted above a five, I could always go for a ten, and then you'd have to do a point one, so we'd get a 5.05 and have to round up to 5.1 every time. That's the best you could get. That's the best I can do. That would be the that new ten. my Gillette. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we, I want to talk about March. I want to get started right on March 1st uh, okay. this month, Patrick. Because on March 1st of 1967, uh, there was a crisis uh, in our, to our good friends in the north in Canada. Okay. They were having a show at a venue called the Coliseum in Ottawa. <coughs> sure, uh, sure. And Eric Burden and the Animals were the headlining act. Oh, my gosh. I could push a button. You could. I'm uh, not going to do it. However, they did not perform. And that's why I didn't do it. Yeah. So... They're backstage, and the opening act is already out and performing, uh, and a contract dispute breaks out. Uh, so <laughs> it's allegedly, you know, it's all he said, she said, and it's so far in the past that it's hard to get a, a, a fully accurate picture of what it was about. Sure. But it was about, allegedly, the number and length of sets. The animals wanted to do a 150-minute set. But the promoter wanted them to do two 40-minute sets, and the animals kind of weren't budging. They are saying, that's not what was in our contract. Uh, the Anyway, the promoter refused to switch the sets, and Eric Burden was like, okay, well, you know, we never received the contracted advance anyway, so we're just going to go. What and a power the, move. I know. I know. And the fans demolished everything. <laughs> they destroyed the stage, the furniture, the lights. They set a fire in the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. Um, it, in yeah, Canada? It, in Canada. I know. I know. Uh, so at the end of the day, there was a newspaper called the Ottawa Citizen that reported that $3,500 was in damage was done, which in 2022 money yeah. is $29,500 in damage. Oh, my God. So, so – they did a substantial amount of damage to that that place. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, 12 fans ended up getting arrested, uh, five of which were found guilty of minor crimes. Um, and the authorities uh, ended up deciding, well, the ticket holders are due 
some kind of a partial refund at least because whatever happened with the promoters and the venue, they screwed up what they were supposed to do. They didn't get it all. Uh, They didn't give the people the show they promised them. But they collected all the ticket stubs as people came in, and so no one could prove that they were there or not. So basically, they were like, yeah, everyone is owed a partial refund. There's no evidence that anything like that ever actually happened. And the venue, the Coliseum, never had uh, a concert again. I can imagine <laughs> it, that being a, a tough pill to swallow for a venue. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, because here's the that's thing. I would, no. That's not the – is it the – as the promoter isn't associated with the venue necessarily. Yeah, I, I don't know all the Right, like the promoter, it, according to the the kind of facts as we know them, mm-hmm. the promoter is in the wrong so it seems. So it would seem so according seems. to what we know. Now, if the promoter's right. not affiliated with, Col- with the Coliseum, that is just unfortunate for the Coliseum yeah. and for <laughs> Eric Burden and for, Animal. Yeah, and for all the people who didn't get a show and never got their money back. Rough. Rough all yeah. around. Yeah. On the all first. Around, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the second is when things really turn around because, Patrick, uh, on March 2nd, we had the ninth annual Grammy Awards show hosted by Kirk Douglas. Okay. Yeah, uh, and so I'll just talk about some of the things that were a little bit notable sure. uh, in terms of winners. Uh, it was also this year was noted because no artist was presented with the best new artist award. They just didn't give that one out this year for whatever reason. No one was new. Uh, yeah, no one was new. Like for instance, the person who kind of won the Grammys this year was Frank Sinatra, who was not new in 1967. Not new, no. <laughs> not new at all. I feel like he, uh, he was took even home still five old blue eyes at that point. I would agree. Uh, he took home five including uh, Record of the Year for Strangers in the Night. Sure. And Album of the Year for A Man and His Music. Now, the issue I have for that is that that meant Revolver didn't win Album of the Year, and I feel like in retrospect, (laughs) that was an obvious mistake. (laughs) Because Revolver is now considered like one of the five best albums ever made. Right, but here's the thing. (laughs) In retrospect, you're probably correct, considered a mistake. Mm -hmm. But I would argue that them not winning in 1967 is the same reason, like, LeBron James doesn't win MVP every year. Sure. Or maybe enough. not now, Fair but, enough. like, you know. I hear you. When you're yeah. at the top of the game, you are yeah. held to a different standard. Therefore, other people who maybe surprise in a year, like, maybe Frank Sinatra had been a little bit yeah. lower in the radar in those last few okay. years. Sure. Shot up that one year. That's fair enough, and uh, it is made up for by the fact that Michelle pulled in Song of the Year, uh, deservedly so, I think. Yeah. And uh, Klaus Vorman, his artwork for the cover of Revolver, which is fantastic, one album cover of the year. There you go. Um, is there anything else that you're particularly interested in knowing? Did you want to know that Bill Cosby won the best comedy record? No, no. <laughs> oh, Talk about things not Come on, well. man. <laughs> I know, I know. Um. But other than, I mean, those are the major ones. I don't want to go through. I mean, I could look at the 10,000 awards that they give out, but that's the stuff no, I kind of wanted those to are cover. The big ones. Uh, and now we're about to go on a run, like okay. a run of historic proportions. Sure. Because spring is, is springing. It is. At this time. And it's time for new things. So, Patrick, I got a few debut albums. From okay. legendary artists that are coming out in March of 1967. On March 10th, for the very first time, Cat Stevens puts out a record. His debut record, Matthew and Son, uh, which I listened to. 
It's really good. Oh, it's yeah. It's a really strong record. Uh, Robert Christgau called it a rarity, a forgotten record that shouldn't be, which cool. is high praise with no backhandedness to it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. when there's no snide remark involved, it is right. pure bliss from Christgau. Exactly. And not only was Cat Stevens, of course, playing on his record, but the two guest musicians that, that played in with him were Nicky Hopkins, who we've talked about quite a bit with like Jeff Beck Group and a lot of other people. Yeah. Uh, and John Paul Jones. Wow. Of course, of Led Zeppelin fame. No one, no, no one's ever heard of John Paul Jones. <laughs> no, of course not. He was a pope or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, pretty yeah. much. But then, only two days later, on the twelfth, okay, another debut comes out, and a debut record that has gone down in history as one of the greatest records of all time. Lifetime Left to Go is many records. years past that, though. <laughs> That's true, but the original version, um, <laughs> before we plagiarized it, yeah, now, right. Uh, the Velvet Underground and Nico's uh, eponymous debut comes out with the you know super famous iconic banana cover on the cover of the Andy Warhol art. Um, you know uh, Brian Eno said something really cool about this record, which I loved because uh, in the first album uh, or the first year, he said it only sold about thirty thousand copies, but everyone who bought one of those thirty thousand copies started a band, and I think that's a cool way of showing like how incredibly influential that record was and how over time you know it's it's a record that's now sold over a million copies but it took a really long time for it to catch hold it was like truly like this underground masterpiece um that you know was kind of missing uh the mainstream but ended up having more influence than pretty much any of these mainstream records right um over the course of history uh oh and it was also for another throwback to one of our other uh artists on the podcast it was the first episode ever or it was the first episode ever of beck's record club which is a video series where he just covers entire albums oh good and just puts it he's just like and so his first one is he performed the entirety of the velvet underground and eco so if that's nice. something that you're interested in that exists i might have to check it out at some point now five days later there's another group that's pretty famous that puts out their uh eponymous debut and we've discussed them a few times on the podcast or or, yeah on this series of the podcast so far it's the grateful dead so the grateful dead's first record we're now within one week of each other cat stevens velvet underground and nico uh grateful dead all debut records all coming out with their music for the first time uh and it's a it's a cool record it's it's maybe not the grateful dead you would expect um they're still very very bluesy um, they haven't like fully gone into their almost like progressive jazzy direction uh, all the way yet, but it's still a really fun record. You get to hear um, Jerry and Bob really kind of wailing on some vocals, some good jamming in there, uh, and you can tell how they got popular in their in their certain uh, niche yeah. in in San Francisco. But this record really didn't hit too much out of outside of San Fran. So they were obviously enormous on that scene at the time, but it took them a little while before the Grateful Dead started to getting like the huge uh, nationwide following that they eventually uh, ended up with. Oh yeah, definitely much harder back in those days. Yeah, exactly. And now I have one more. Sure. Four days later on the twenty-first. Okay. To get to go to something like a little bit different in terms of our genre, Al Green comes out with his debut record. Okay. Uh which, um, interestingly enough, was put out on what was called Hotline Records, which was started by a couple of Al Green's high school friends who made a, a record label to record him. Um, 
Good and friends. That ended up, yeah, very good friends, right? <laughs> uh, and that ended up working out really well for all of them. Yeah. So there you go. Eleven days, you get debut records from four pretty huge artists uh, in respective fields. Uh, quite the run. Quite the run. run that for is a pretty historic run. Exactly. But there was more going on on March 21st than just Al Green's debut record. No. I swear to you, I know that you're thinking only one thing can happen on any given day. Um, but it's not true. I, I apparently. I would say uh, what happened here involves one of the most notorious musicians of all time who is in no way, shape, or form famous for their music. Okay. Interesting. Do you have any kind of guess? A musician who's not famous for their music. Correct. Notorious, so I would assume like criminal in nature. Mm, that's that's a good thing yeah. to think. Uh, I don't know exactly who it is, but I, I feel like I've put together some of those pieces. You did, you did. So I'll, I'll give it to you. Please On do. the 21st, Charles Manson is released from <laughs> McNeil Island Prison in Washington State. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's pretty notorious. Yep. So he was released on that day after serving seven years for transporting women across state lines for prostitution oh, and forging God. checks. While he was in prison during this time was when he was taught how to play guitar. Uh, and he was taught how to play guitar by a guy named Alvin Karpis, who was the leader of the Depression-era gang, the Barker Karpis gang, who were known for like being more ruthless than a lot of the other Depression-era gangs because they used... Uh, kidnapping tactics with great frequency well i could see how um, they they rolled right in with manson then yeah exactly uh so they all got along really well and this is how charles learned uh charlie learned how to play the guitar so uh one of the the rumors that goes around about charles manson is that he had auditioned for the monkeys in 65 that is not the case because he was in mcneil uh, island prison at the time but he was learning guitar uh you know so Maybe he was listening to the monkeys on the radio in prison and thinking he wished he could join them. I mean, uh, but his... I'm sure most <laughs> prisoners would rather have been in the monkeys. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you. Not there. that being in the uh, monkeys is a bad thing, but like, no, it has to be un unilaterally better than being in prison. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about that, right? Oh, yeah, we can no, stop talking it's not. About... Oh, no, we... no, 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 because you know who else? Uh, was in prison there at that same time with them. Oh, who? With a, with Alvin Karpis and Charles Manson. Who? Uh, a guy who used to go to Manson used to do these like guided meditations with the other prisoners sure. at, around this did. time, where he would say he'd like hypnotize them and whatnot. Uh, and yeah. one of the people that he did that with was Danny Trejo. Oh wow. Uh huh. Yeah, Danny Trejo was there at the same time. Nineteen sixty-seven. I always yep. forget how old Danny Trejo yep, is. He's very old. Yeah, he always no seems, like, younger than that. Mm -hmm. But he is not. So, yeah, we're almost 77. done now. Yeah, he's he That's... looks great for 77. I'm proud oh, of him. I'll tell you what. Hold on now. Is it that he looks great or that he's always kind of looked a little messed up? That could, you know and what, so, that, like, that's it's, he hasn't aged because, like, he's looked the same since he was, like, 40? Yeah, okay. That could be it. Either All way, right. good for him. Yeah. All right, I'll wrap up around. the month here. Ex yeah, yeah. He's talked about it quite a bit, actually. Um, but to wrap things up, on the 25th, The Who make their f uh, first American performance in New York uh, at the RKO 58th Street Theater. On the 30th, The Beatles go to a fo uh, photo shoot for the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh, 
the cover of which is super famous and includes a ton of famous people. Yeah. You got Aleister Crowley, Mae West, Lenny Bruce, Carl Jung, Edgar Allan Poe, um, Bob Dylan is on there. All Poe's for the picture, too. Yeah, right. We talked about Dion, I think, on the episode about Dion and the Belmonts. Aldous Huxley, um, Laurel and Hardy, Karl Marx. It's it's quite the the group. Crazy how you get them all in the that. same room. I know, right? A lot of people you wouldn't um, expect. Decades and and centuries separate. True. Them, but. but one that I would like to point out, because um, I don't know if it's mean or not, and you can be the judge. In the third row, someone who maybe isn't very recognizable to the to the average person, uh, is Stuart Sutcliffe, who was, you know, formerly uh, in the Beatles and then died uh, back in 1962. He was like one of the original, I don't know if they're paying homage to him, I guess, perhaps on the cover. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I just would... thought that one was uh, interesting that they, they got him in there. Uh, but they were not allowed to have Hitler or Gandhi or Sophia Loren or Jesus all of whom were requested, uh, but none of whom were allowed to be in. <sighs> wow. I don't know how you're supposed to feel about that. I just I, wanted to let you know. I just, I I can imagine that being a little bit of a backlash. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think they were they were prepared to, to try to nix anyone who would cause too much of a backlash. But I'll tell you now, we're wrapping things up. It's the 31st of March, uh, and a pretty legendary thing is about to happen. Because okay. March just never gives up. There's just so much here. Uh, we're at the Astoria Theater in London. Uh, there's a big show going on. And one of the acts uh, is the Jimi Hendrix Experience. And it is here and now where Jimi sets fire to his guitar for the very first time. <laughs> yeah, and apparently, uh, according to some accounts of the people who were working there, it actually took him a little while. Like, people weren't exactly sure what he was doing at first. Uh, and then he finally got the guitar to light, and security kind of went nuts. Um, and they accidentally covered the MC of the event in the fire extinguisher foam when they were running up there trying to, uh, you know, contain everything before it could possibly get out of hand. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy ended up having to go to the hospital for minor burns on his hands as well. So, you know, it became a bit of a shtick for him, but it did not work very well the first time. Well, he got <laughs> better were... at it. Yeah, he got he got better at it. Uh, and also, you know who was a part of that show? Cat Stevens. I promoting that debut album. You already interesting talked about to Cat Stevens, Cat... so I would. Sorry, you... but uh, it's interesting <laughs> to to think that the Jimi Hendrix Experience and Cat Stevens were on the same show bill. You know, like you could see them both at the same time. Yeah, I, that's a very different vibe. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so I'll just wrap things up with our other albums and birthday segment. Uh, other albums that you had in March were I'm a Lonesome Fugitive by Merle Haggard, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You by Aretha Franklin, King and Queen by Otis Redding and Carla Thomas, uh, Billy Preston's first live record, Club Meeting, Eric Burden and the Animals with Eric is Here, which they were not promoting super well in Canada, uh, an album we discussed on the podcast at the finale of season three, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band's eponymous debut, hey. so just throwing in another, another debut uh, band here. Uh, James Brown, James Brown Sings Raw Soul, and Thelonious Monk's Straight No Chaser. Uh, and in terms of birthdays here, let's see how good your memory is, Patrick. On the 4th, Evan Dando was born, and you remember him from... Oh, hold on. What do I know Evan Dando from? I know the name. I remember us Think talking about him. Fruit and Body Part. Also a candy. Fruit and Body Part? The Lemonheads? 
Hey, very good. Yes. Uh, and then on the 17th, on St. Patrick's Day, you got Van Connor from Screaming Trees and Pat's favorite musician in history, Billy Corgan. Rap on March. <laughs> what a terrible way to rap March. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry, but I couldn't help myself. Today is the greatest day I've ever... Honestly, no. He's not that bad. I just hate him. I know. I know. He's such a douche. Yeah, he is. Ugh. But Even as a baby, I'm sure adds... as a as a as a sure. less than one month old, he was still a douche. Probably days you old, should... baby, douche, baby. <laughs> but you know what? March 1967, he helped add to the lore a little bit, and there was quite a bit of it already. So yeah, uh, very cool month. I really look forward to seeing what else we can come up with in this series. So I'll see you again in April. Yeah, but don't just wait until April. Like listen to our weekly episodes as well, yes. please. Uh, where we, you know, talk about a lot of these artists we've already mentioned and exactly. many, many in more, more detail. In much more detail, going over some of their seminal works and comparing and contrasting them and figuring out what makes people like or dislike them. Yeah. Usually dislike. That. Often. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's great. That's all gonna right. wrap us up. Uh please, like mm-hmm. I said, stay tuned and uh we'll see you all in this episode. We'll see you for this series. In April, and we'll see you in our regular series next Tuesday. Soon. That's that's what it's going to boil down to. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, I think I'm done. I think I, I think I got it all in. I think I got it all in. So uh, everybody, just continue to listen to the podcast nonstop. That's your only job from now on. And while doing that, have a great day. Mm-hmm.